0: The relationship between the listener and the storyteller and the place that a sense of immersion takes in this relationship is something I've been thinking about a lot recently. As a creator of an audio drama myself, I think it's worth considering the effect and connection I have with my listeners. The cousin of audio drama is the Actual Play podcast. Actual Play is a form of storytelling where you have usually a group of people playing a tabletop role-playing game. This can go from the extremely popular Dungeons and Dragons to more niche systems like Ghostlines. I think exploring both and taking a look at similarities and the relationship that they hold with each other is something worth doing, if only to create a better mindset when creating my own show, and hopefully for other people creating theirs. Audio dramas are where scripts come to life, sometimes with a narrator, sometimes with sound effects, and sometimes with voice actors. The story can be emphasised with sound effects, the images conjured up by the words are strengthened in the minds of the listener with the help of ambiences and sound effects. There are whole extra narratives possible in the ambience of an audio drama, for example the sounds of gunshot, off in the distance which suggests many things, but can be more solidified into a moment with the context of the words. Audio drama in this sense of well-produced worlds lends itself pretty well to a sense of immersion and therefore it brings the listener into the world. The fourth wall remains apparent, but to bring the theatre analogy even further, the audience feels as if they are surrounded by the players and the set. It's something I feel audio drama can do so well and is one of the medium's strengths. I think through the very medium's qualities, there is a closer relationship between creator and listener. By way of wearing headphones, the voices of the audio drama are intimately close to the listener. In the indie space, one which I inhabit, most creators are very easy to contact on Twitter and other social media platforms. So, both in terms of the medium and in ease of communication, much of audio drama is a close relationship, or at least the feel of one. Actual play is a medium in which sessions of various tabletop role-playing games are recorded. The more modern version of actual play podcasts owe their popularity to one of the most prolific and widely known actual play podcasts, Critical Role, which was released in 2015. A typical setup of one of these shows has a game master and a few players. The role of the player is to create a character that they act as, rolling dice to see how successful their actions might be and having conversations in character. The players typically know little to nothing about the story that is being created. The GM, however, has control over the story and will plan out the situations these characters find themselves in. They will also take the role of narrator and any character not being played by a player. The plot is constantly evolving and is almost a living organism that responds to certain stimuli and will change depending on the circumstances. This almost conversational approach to telling a narrative is really quite unique. The role of sound is similar, it is used to emphasise and immerse. There is a slight challenge though, as it is common practice for the GM and players to talk both as themselves and as a character or narrator to discuss a ruling or crack a joke. This creates a strange sort of in-between space where the sound can halt or continue and the immersion and the suspension of the fourth wall is a bit more loose. I spoke to Greg Korobis, Hannah Levin, Guy Zweibel, and Stefan Lewis of the Actual Play podcast, Ghost on a Train, about the experience of creating and playing in an Actual Play. kind of listening to Actual Play and just like thinking about it, I mean, obviously I don't, you all have a lot more experience than I do in creating it. There is like this suspending of disbelief that happens, but when it comes to actual play, it feels like you're suspending it and letting it go again and suspending it and letting it go again. I mean, what what are your thoughts on this? Have, have you thought about this as well? Or
1: To some extent, like the, the act of playing a game is very natural to me because I do it a lot, but it, it does change because you're doing it for an audience. I feel sometimes as though I'm kind of switching between two different characters. Uh, there's, you know, my mm. character who I play, and there's also this like version of Hannah Levin, which is my name um, <laughs> that I am for podcast purposes. Cause I'm still thinking about being like funny and entertaining uh, and mm. I'm, I'm, you know, being as genuine as one can be.
2: I think a good word for it would be like, when you break character for like a performance, and go into, you know, more of, like, a version of yourself. I think it's more of an abstraction of you than it is you.
1: Mm. Like, it's kind
2: of you refracted. We're all doing, a, like, a bow Burnham. <laughs> We're all doing a Bo Burnham. Where it's We're like all doing think, a Bo Burnham. You
0: think you think this is the real us, but really it's just the real us that we want to show you. <laughs> do you picture every different, per- like, person listening, or do you see it more as an individual that you are communicating with?
1: I haven't really thought of, you know, the specific tastes I'm trying to fit beyond, like, a general yeah. do-good. Coming in yeah. with the,
2: the the butoh mindset,
1: I don't know what that means.
2: The the big philosophy for that is like indifferent to the audience almost. The one thing that my, that a theater arts teacher would always explain um, is like a, a butoh performance could be done in a cave to literally no audience.
3: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <And sick>.
0: Like. <laughs> that's the vibe of it and so just mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. i think that's a kind of uh, at least maybe specific to the indie space we didn't start with loads of listeners you know I, I, when i was making yeah. channel being yeah. mm-hmm. the audience for me is secondary i make it for myself first mm-hmm. which i think i didn't know about Butoh, but that is I think that's a a good way to sort of approach things if it doesn't feel like you're not addressing an audience when you play like you know that there's going to be one but you don't think about them is there a fourth wall to be broken at all i think
2: there's kind of a soft fourth wall in that case like i think it's it's less a directly addressing and more like wiggling your eyebrows at the camera (laughs) that you know is there but you don't really know if anyone's on the other side of it if someone on the other side of that of the other side of that camera's giggling then you know cool yeah <laughs> one thing though that makes me think about uh, with like this deceptive fourth wall and like the, the soft fourth wall we keep on alluding to critical role but another key difference between us and critical role is that critical role they don't really do cuts outside of like a break that they'll do as like a, a non-live edited actual play it, we've got like another layer of, of of separation yeah another 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 coding to that soft fourth wall in that we decide how much is or isn't shown. We're, we're showing you us cooking the sausage, but we're not necessarily going to show you the full process of how we're making this sausage. <laughs> sure, Because you don't actually want to
0: see that, but you want to <laughs> feel like you're seeing it. You all listen to actual plays a lot, yep. or like, yeah. like are fair amount. So then as listeners, do you feel like you're seeing backstage when they break character or is it just part of the medium?
1: It depends on the actual play. There's a big difference between Dimension 20 and Critical Role. I think Critical Role feels much more like being let behind the camera. I'm sure they're still performing because, you know, self is a performance. But it does very much feel like you are watching these people play Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) Whereas Dimension 20 is pretty highly edited. Like, they've got an effects team. They've got, like, a sets team. Stuff is definitely getting cut. Uh, And so that feels much more like watching a performance.
3: I can only put so much of myself out there, but you as an audience will never actually know me and I cannot know you. It is a one way relationship. Mm. This is not something that you want to be like 100% genuine. That's that's kind of the fault of the medium. However, you want it to feel genuine. We are inviting you into our house, theoretically, to watch our game. (laughs) However... There is, like, there's there's a screen in the way still, so it's like... Yeah, sure. It's, again, like I said a bit earlier, it's a deceptive fourth wall. Like, you yeah. are theoretically there, but there is still a distance, and how mm. big that gap is will vary just either across, like, the course of the episode, just with the editing, or just, like, between different productions.
0: For me, in creating Chain of Being, I often consider my audience as one individual, because I know ultimately the show is mostly going to be listened to by one person on their own. The way I narrate my show doesn't really encourage this particularly, it's just the nature of podcasting. There are a few different forms that narration can take in audio drama, though. Each creates a different relationship with the listener. One such example would be an audio drama where the narrator is a character recording for a reason. This could be something like Limetown.
2: My name is Leah Haddock, and I am an investigative reporter with APR.
0: This turns the episodes into recordings from the world of the podcast, and creates a sense of immersion and puts the listener slightly as a participant. You're in on the story, but still as an outsider. Another example might be where the narrator addresses the listener as a sort of extra character – in this, not only the narrator and the show itself are diegetic, but the listener is also. A prime example of this is Welcome to Nightvale. The listener here is a character and a member of the town listening to the radio show. Night vale uses this in some very interesting ways, particularly with the episode All Right, which actually places the role of the protagonist on the Listeners, shoulders of the listener. Your
2: headphones are not malfunctioning.
0: Here, though, the fourth wall is mostly ignored and the listener is brought into the world of a podcast. Interestingly, though, the pretense that everything happening in the show is real and not actually actors still keeps the fourth wall intact and just sort of bends it around the listener as they exist as a participant. Another form narration can take is the narrator not in a diegetic space, but in a more audiobook style. This is definitely a more traditional, more theatrical approach, putting the listener fully on the other side of the fourth exactly wall. And examples of this I'll might be The Milkman of St. Gaff's.
2: But figuring out that I'd written the wrong postal code on my job application...
0: ...on my own show. That was Chain the of Being of takes the form of a first-person narrator in an audiobook style. Adam will talk about himself in the first person, but the narration is non-diegetic, which gives time for deeper and more extensive descriptions, whilst still having more of a look into the thoughts of the main character. Other forms this narration takes is a more third-person approach. One such audio drama is The Dichotomy.
3: It takes the role of a classic
0: 60s superhero drama. First person is definitely more intimate and creates a closer relationship with the listener, whereas the third person creates a full fourth wall where there is not such a strong relationship. That's not to say a show is worse because the listener is not being brought in. Different shows require different forms of narration to achieve certain effects, decided sometimes by genre and sometimes just by personal choice. I think in the process of creating this audio paper, I have definitely started thinking differently about how narration sits in audio-based storytelling. I had assumed it would be pretty uniform when it came to actual play, but coming from my discussion about the topic, I found out that... There was almost a scale which Actual Play existed, where the suspension, continuation, and resuspension of disbelief is not a fully necessary part of the medium. Similarly, it's not so massively black and white with audio drama, with some shows leaving the fourth wall in place to stick to more traditional forms of storytelling, whilst some bringing the listener into a more personal relationship and making them more of a part of the story. I'm close to being done with my first season, but for season two I'm planning it in a way that I can experiment a lot more and... Hopefully, I'll figure out a way to use this newfound knowledge to create some new and interesting experiences for the listener. Faustian Nonsense is
2: a podcast network, an artist commune, and an incubator for creative projects. If you love what we do, consider supporting FN by joining our Patreon, where you can receive cute network pet pictures, behind-the-scenes content, or even access to a library of assets to use in your own projects. Without your support, the world of audio fiction will be overrun by corporate media drowning out indie creators. We need your help now more than ever. Visit patreon.com slash to become a patron.